Welcome to the Hayes Salespeople Podcast, where we talk to the brightest minds in modern sales and get their tips and advice on all things sales. I'm your interim host, Jenna Sachs from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, I want to welcome Amelia Taylor to the podcast. Hey, Amelia. Hey, Jenna. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Very excited to have you here. Uh, So Amelia is an account executive at Carabiner Group, which is a full-service RevOps consulting group offering revenue operations as a service. They provide a team of trusted advisors, certified consultants, and industry leaders who make RevOps easy for clients across the globe. She's also been in various enterprise sales and sales development roles over the past decade and co-authored Heels to Deals, where she shares a chapter of her own personal experience about becoming a female leader in B2B sales. So Amelia, we generally like to start this off with an icebreaker. And as a co-author of a sales book, I'd love to hear what book is influencing your life today, whether personal or in sales and in your career, whatever you have top of mind for for us. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to get a little bit out of the box here with this because I'm sure there is the usual, you know, suspects of those books that people tend to when and if this question's asked of them. But uh, for me right now, I am so into Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. It is one of the greatest storytelling books I've ever come across. And authentic in which is a buzzword a bit right now. Uh, I don't really love the word, but it is genuinely authentic to where it shows, yeah, we see, all right, all right, all right, right. We hear that, we hear that Matthew McConaughey, but it's not always the raw, let's break down who this person actually is at their core, because I don't think anyone really falls asleep with who they are as their title, whether it's an actor or sales executive or a CEO or an SDR. I think everyone is, everyone's human at the end of the day. And so his story is really, really cool. I highly recommend it. Uh, definitely a recommendation I'll be taking. As someone who lives in Austin and sees things with Matthew McConaughey quite often. Um, you know, you do get the all right, all right, all right. But <laughs> yep. there is a lot more depth, right? You see a lot of different sides of, of a person. And, you know, to your point, someone's not just defined by what they do, but who they are. And uh, what, what's one thing you really took away and learned from that that you're applying to your own life. He has in the book pictures of actual writings that he did when he was super lost in his life. Didn't have the easiest upbringing. And that was relatable to me. Um, and then some, and then also towards his, you know, he was 18 and kind of running away and, you know, figuring out his life. And I guess you don't run away at 18, but you know, he's, so he went off and just kind of just started writing and just kind of went off into the desert and did his thing which is amazing to me. I wish I had that kind of freedom to go and do, but I'm a single mom of two little girls. And, you know, for me, it's neat just because that book is relatable in the sense of, okay, storytelling is super important in sales. And I was drawn into the book through his storytelling. And I was able to still, you know, tell my story a bit. I didn't plan to go into sales. You figure things out when you realize okay, this isn't what I wanted to read in my own book of life, if you will, or my own, this chapter, there's a next part to this. You know, there's, there's another chapter and I can fill in those blanks. Yeah. And it sounds like you've done a really great job filling in those blanks. I've been looking through a lot of your LinkedIn posts and, um, you know, see that sales might've started out as something that was a necessity for you at the time and not knowing really what you wanted to do and 
relating to that feeling maybe in, in McConaughey's book of feeling lost, right? But it seems like you've really, really thrived in it. And it's something that you took, run with and, you know, made it your own. And, and I love seeing all of that. So, um, you know, one thing you post about just, just getting into some of your topics is you definitely post about storytelling a lot, which, you know, makes a lot of sense with your background, but you also post about social selling. And that seems like a topic that's very near and dear to you. So I would love to hear more from you about what social selling means to you and how how you take that to the next level with all of your client interactions. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great, great topic. One of my favorite topics, no doubt, because it's where I found the most success. I looked at it as, okay, there was a big change up in my life, myself and my two little girls, and I've got to make ends meet. And so I'm going to be better than everybody else here. And I'm going to do things a whole lot smarter instead of working harder. You know, personally, social selling is meeting your buyer where they're at, figuring out where that buyer's at, and then having that that knowledge of that EQ, that IQ, knowing how to read that person, understanding that okay, this person posted something through a Slack channel that or a Slack group that I'm in, and they simply just need help figuring something out. Great, I might not be able to help them, but I can tag somebody else who I know could. And there's a credibility with that. If you look at things kind of as social selling as a garden, you're planting seeds. You are engaging with people on LinkedIn through Slack groups or WhatsApp or through um, LinkedIn groups and getting to know people, you know, offering help opposed to just selling and being that, that guidance that people need. There's no hiding the fact that you're a salesperson talking to a salesperson. We know what's going on, people. Let's just let that curtain down. But when you genuinely are saying, hey, I can help you with this, or I know who can help you with this, I might not put a dollar in my pocket, but it's a seed that I'm planting for doing something good for that person and helping in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So a lot I'm hearing in this is, first of all, the humanity of it all. How, how are you showing people that you're human? And again, you might not have all the answers you know, by making yourself human, you're putting that relatability there and saying, look, like I might not know the answers, but we're going to work together and help you get there. So that's, that's the first thing I'm really getting out of that. So I, I think the other thing I really got from what you were saying too, is the different personas right now, you're in a role where you're selling to RevOps people and, and other RevOps person or, or sales leaders that need RevOps people or RevOps advice. Um, as someone in RevOps myself, I've always kind of said, we can either be really, really easy to sell to or really hard sell, depending on knowing what we want, knowing, uh, you know, if you're selling a system to a RevOps person, right? Generally, we know what we're capable of. We know what we're not capable of because we know the, the entire ecosystem, the tech stack, the cross-functional priorities, all of those things. Or it could be a major blocker because we know all those things, or it could expedite the deal. I'm wondering, you know, how does that work for you in selling to RevOps, just selling RevOps as a service? Like what, what types of personas are you dealing with and how do you navigate that when maybe they aren't speaking Amelia? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think in any sales capacity, sometimes when you know too much, you you almost can butcher yourself. But everything comes out of the back pocket at once. If you don't know how to leverage that EQ, IQ, you know, talking to that person, if they're, you know, they're up in Massachusetts, great, we're going to go fast. If they're in Tennessee, we're going to talk a little Southern and slow, right? So reading the vibe of what it is going on, if you know the basics, build off those. So that's where I had to start with knowing that I'm talking to C-suite people. I'm talking to the CROs. I'm talking to the CEOs. I'm talking to the 
VP of Revenue Operations or the director. Every salesperson's putting things in Google Sheets or Google whatever. You know, they've got their own whole list of these these companies that they are reaching out to. Nothing's in their source of truth. You know, there's nothing in their CRM other than just duplicates galore from things 10 years ago, whatever. So they don't know what to do. It's kind of like a, okay, how do we look good for those that invested in us if they have had investors or their pre-seeds starting out fresh, which I think are like some of the best companies that I talk to just because they do have that level, that level ground of knowing you had to build something that's going to be stable, not just six months from now, but it's going to go three years, five years, however long, you know, if your goal is to IPO, build that solid like foundation from the very start. Like you got to have the processes before you toss in a bunch of people. You know, tossing a bunch of people in is not called, it's not growth that like people want to call it. You know, we're growing, we're hiring 500 salespeople. Oh, yikes. So your people are leaving like left and right because nobody knows how to utilize the tools in hand that you're spending your money on and allocating that in places that maybe shouldn't be allocated to. So there's a level of pride too. You know, there's the ego of I made it this far and asking for help. So that goes back to a little bit of me just being me. And even if we don't, you know, if we don't speak each other, quote unquote, I can still show up as me. And I feel like that really lets people's guards down. I mean, I was late to a call not long ago because I really wanted some of my daughter's Twizzlers that were in the kitchen. I was thinking about them the call before. I was like, dang, I really want to go get those. So I did. And then I was like five minutes late because I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I'm totally late for this call. I get on the call with this guy and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I had to go get Twizzlers of my daughter's. I was thinking about them the whole time I was on my last call. That was just putting his guard down. Like he was totally not happy. I was running behind totally. And then he was fine. So then I get a text later that day and he's some wherever he was at, but he had a thing of Twizzlers, sent me a picture of the Twizzlers. And he was like, you're right. I totally needed these today too. And I'm like, there you go. Like that's, he just completely just showed up as like himself because I was able to just be myself. It adds a good element of just being more casual, right? I think yeah. the old world of sales was booking meetings and getting face-to-face and yeah. wearing a suit and tie and giving a presentation. But I think in a lot of today's world, it's more, hey, I'm eating a Twizzler. It's really good. <laughs> let's connect on let's connect on the basics of humanity, right? Um, yeah, and you know, you have your kids screaming in the background or running in, um, dogs running around and breaking in. I, I think that just makes people trust more and really gives a better view of who you are and trusts you to give them the best advice when you're not only a social selling, but you're now consultative in that sale. And you're able to say, look, okay, I know you as a person. I'm going to be real with you on these points. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm not going to yes you to death. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to shove this on your throat by any means. And I'm also going to say, hey, I don't have that tribal knowledge that you're looking for. And that aspect of humanizing things and saying, but our, our team over here, like, let me get you in touch with the right person that you need to talk to. Let me grab someone over here who is in the RevOps world, who knows it maybe a bit more than I do, not necessarily that, but if it's one specific thing that they're asking and I don't have all that knowledge, it's okay to say you don't know. 
there's respect that is given when you say, okay, I don't want to steer you in the wrong direction by any means. So let's do this. Let's hop on another call because you, I'm not going to, I'll do, you know, you zero justice, myself zero justice. If I'm going to just try to BS my way through this and tell you what I don't know, when you probably already know more than I do to begin with, you know, some of these leaders who've been doing RevOps before RevOps is really even a term. Right. And I think everything's on fire is a really good explanation for that as well, right? Every business is unique. I I have a Yeti somewhere that says being an ops manager is like riding a bike, except the bike is on fire. Everything's on fire. You're on fire. And it's, it's so true, right? And it's, again, no one's doing anything perfectly. So asking for help is, is not a bad thing. And even if you don't know the answers, right, you're going to pull people on who do, you're going to help understand their unique business case, and you're going to kind of bond on that element of chaos at the same time. We're going to get to business like almost like, wow, you really do have everything on fire, right? Like you've, you're serious D and you're in pipe drive. Let's talk about this real quick. You know, like you're trying to look good for your investors. You, you've had, you know, so many of your reps leave because why? Let's go back to the basics. Why are they leaving? Okay, what is what does it look like inside of, you know, under the hood of all things, operationally speaking? And did you build this sandcastle that looked really, really pretty and you put so many shiny shells and whatever on it? And so these people were drawn to this company because they were over-promised, under-delivered. And I wouldn't go as far to say for the purpose of that being the goal by any means. You know, I, I think people just don't know what they don't know. That goes for every single person, right? So when you don't know what you don't know and you don't know that you shouldn't build it this way, it should be built on solid rock, right? Like you've got to build this like brick by brick. We're going to do a process first. We're going to then, you know, and our people, we're going to have like the right tech stack that fits where these people are at. Following this process first aspect, that is the biggest thing that you have to have in place before you toss bunch people in, like I said. So earlier. And do I know all? No way. Do I, will I ever know all? Absolutely not. Like no one does, but there's the experts out there who you absolutely, who've been doing it. Like I said, you know, before there was a thing that people even, you know, understood that it was something that's kind of now this buzzword of like, what is it? Do we need it? We're hiring for someone in RevOps, but they're going to come from like a SDR leader position and now take over being a RevOps manager. What is RevOps? I know to what my you know knowledge is of you know breaking down the silos. Let's have everything talk to each other. Let's have our center of truth. You know, let's have our source of truth of everything living within SDRM. Let's have communication across the board. You know, there's multiple things I can say about it, but it's that middle tier management almost that kind of hinders accidentally and leadership in totality really that hinders that foundation of these reps who are trying to thrive and grow and learn. From not being able to really maximize on that and, you know, capitalize on it because they don't know what they don't know and they don't know that they can challenge things in a good way. You know, challenge the process of, I don't have to stick to the script per se, like to a T, or I, I can't, you know, I can't go off and text this person later on after leaving a voicemail saying, Hey, I just texted you. I already just left you a voicemail and figured Everybody's on their cell phones to say these days would be easier just to shoot you a text. You might be in a meeting or something. You know, I had I had this one guy. He wrote this article. He didn't end up buying from me. Still a little bitter. It's fine. This is over a year ago, so I'll let it go. But um, he wrote this article and shared it on LinkedIn. And he sent me a message saying, "Hey, just wanted to share this with you. 
This is about kind of the buyer's journey I had with you. Even though he wasn't a buyer, it was his buyer's journey. That was so important because he wouldn't have even entertained what I was trying to do. He dodged me like nobody's business, declined my calls kind of thing. But he posted specifically what his needs were on LinkedIn. I said, I'm looking for XYZ. Who do you know who can help me? I'm like, hello. I knew I could. So I was not going to give up on this guy because I'm like, okay, I can be a pest or I can be persistent with intention. I had the full intention of, I'm going to bring the whole aspect of everything being relevant and going back to as to why he would even respond to me. Is he going to respond to me? Would I respond to myself if I were reading this? And that's a big thing to think about too is, you know, would you respond to what you're sending? Don't send out these massive paragraphs. Nobody's reading them, I promise. And then also, is this going to be kind of an industry trend or where the market's going that's going to, which goes into the relevancy part, you know, part of that with it being, okay, this is what others are doing. This is how they're benefiting from it. This is how I can help you benefit from using this and kind of leaving it with a question too with a how question. So how questions I've always found to be so much more important than what questions with letting that guard down of, you know, how would it look if your reps were able to each one of them to X what they did last month? How would that look like to you? And instead of that, what are you guys doing right now? What are your reps? What are your reps at? Like, what would it look like with that? How would it look? Because then that gets the brain you know, psychologically thinking, okay, how would that look? Not just like a what, because you're almost asking, you're talking to them, like at them, not to them. Right. And I mean, if people are unwilling to take that first call, they're not necessarily willing to give you that discovery intel right off the bat either. So if you're painting that picture for what the future looks like, that's a little bit more enticing for somebody who might not have previously given you all the details, but now wants to give you that information and start that conversation because they're envisioning that future and what that future looks like working with you. The article he wrote was so neat because it did just talk about there being the persistence and not perfection of it, but persistence that brought the value. So based off of what his role was within the company, and I believe still is, but what he brought to the table, you know, what his role entitled of this is what I'm supposed to do. This is the description of my role. And this is how I'm supposed to be delivering XYZ within the company. I had to tailor it towards that. Okay. Is this going to make you look good? You know, thinking in that mindset, like I'm going to make this person look good. They're going to realize they're going to look good. And even if not, if they're not the person who's going to sign at the end of the day, build that champion within who's going to go with you to the top, you know, build someone who's going to be there in a room when you're not in that room with that CEO or CFO or whoever is the signer at the end of the day. Building those champion relationships with those within and nurturing those the right way and having the people who are going to go with you as an advocate all the way up to the top to whoever it is who does have the pen in hand and signs and all of that. It's where those relationships are the ones that sometimes are the most critical and important ones that you can develop because they're going to talk about whatever it is that's going on and what you bring to the table and what you can do for the CEO's company when you're not in the room with them or you're not on the you know on the Zoom call with them and they're hearing it for themselves. So knowing that you can build those relationships, I think that's one of the key things that salespeople can really honestly do is just find those champions with that. It might be someone in a management role 
they're going to pour their heart out to you if you're just yourself, totally you saying, hey, a lot of people in your role are having this problem. Like they're struggling galore. Don't know if that's you, but I could imagine because you've got 25 salespeople under you and it's just you and you've recently were promoted. Like, how are you? Like, are you good? Are you hanging in there? You know, and just being yourself and just having this conversation and then they realize, okay, you're normal. <laughs> you're not trying to just sell me right away. You're just, you're not pitch slapping me completely, you know, on both sheets at the same time. Like a lot of people do. Don't do that, people. But um, that's my little tidbit there. Um, you know, all advice can be taken. It doesn't have to be, or it can be heard. It doesn't have to be taken. So, you know, you can hear all this unsolicited advice that people share on all these different social platforms, on LinkedIn, all of it. You don't have to take all the advice, but there's people who have tried and failed and failed fast and then failed forward, me being one of those, where I know that through social selling, there's such an opportunity. And that's where you really build those relationships with those champions. Sounds like a great way to, you know, really be yourself and not lose that authenticity while still driving the point home. And like you said, being the absolute best salesperson you can be. And putting that challenge in front of you and getting there. So I think those are great words to end on. If somebody does want to reach out to you to talk about either anything we've talked about on this podcast, uh, anything you post on LinkedIn, uh, you know, anything that you're, you're doing in your career today, RevOps consulting, or just, you know, sales in general, what is the best way for they, for somebody to reach you? Yeah, I am all about simplicity. 100%. I've got my calendar link in my about section on my LinkedIn profile. So about 15 minutes of me, if you want to chat, reach me. I mean, I, I'll respond to anyone and everyone, even if they're just looking for, hey, I'm wondering about this. I'm wondering about that. Or what does this mean? You know, anything, because I want to help. I don't, I want to sell. I'm in sales for a reason, right? But I also want to help. So uh, because I had people who helped me tremendously. Shoot me a DM on LinkedIn do the Calendly link, book 15 minutes with me. We can just chat a little bit or just shoot me a DM. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm sure we'll connect in the future on many different other topics. So uh, thanks again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jenna Sachs. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.